30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. And good morning. I'm Rosie, and I'm here to answer any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. You reach the tele- the uh, radio show by dialing one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE, the number 4, and the letter U. one 888 you. Can I mention something? Uh, this is my wife, Sweet Jennifer, who is in the call screening booth. And when you do call, she'll get your name and number, where you're calling from, and your question. And she apparently has something she'd like to interject. <laughs> Always. I try to keep it quiet as much yeah. as I can. Uh, just letting everyone know that there is more ways to get a hold of us during the broadcast. You can text us at 411-923. When we look at how people listen to radio, they listen in 10, 15-minute segments while they're out running doing errands. So if you don't have time to sit on the phone, you can text us. We'll be glad to address it. Um, we love callers, though, because we can ask a deeper question. You know, we can ask questions back and get a better, more developed answer. Um, also, you can subscribe to our newsletter by just going to info at rosieonthehouse.com. Now, if you get the newsletter, it comes once a week, and we give you the lowdown on just everything happening at Rosie on the House, including the, um, you know, what's the topics. And this week, Rosie... Did you see the newsletter? Uh, you know what, honey, with the trip to Wickenburg this week, I, I have to say I did not. Well, I would like to highly recommend it to our newsletter subscribers to make sure that you click through on the Thursday throwback, and you will see my Rosie as Arizona Duck Call champion on oh. Channel 3 with, <laughs> what, what was her name, Tara? Yeah, And then also Beth and Bill. It is absolutely hysterical. I think you will enjoy it. So you get little things like that, and you get to know us a little better if you sign up for uh, our newsletter. So we're here for you. That our, This number is actually good during the week. We're, we're here for you. We like to make sure our listeners get the answers they need for their house, home, castle, or cabin. There you go. And it's our goal that we become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. So every week... We have multiple ways of reaching out and touching Arizona homeowners from Nogales to Page, from Alpine to Ehrenberg, and every point in between. In this particular week, Jennifer was talking about our blog and our website. It's an article on sensible sustainability, and we're going to grow into much deeper depth on that in the 10 o'clock hour with a special guest, John Wesley Miller from Tucson. And we're going to cover it a little bit in 930 with an expert from Phoenix, David Byrne, of Green ID. So that's one tentacle that we have to touch you with good information. And with all the home shows that are going on, we get a lot of questions about does this really work or does that really work? Just last week, we had a caller call who had been to the home show and was confused about duct sealing and was it worth the money or not? And that's a hard question to answer over 
the radio. But here are things you need to consider. We can age a home as to what decade it was built. If we just look at the duct material and the duct design, we're going to cover that at 930 in great detail. A product that hit the market about 10 or 12 years ago is a liquid spray inside your ductwork that works like the bicycle tube sealer. You squirt it in there, you fill the inner tube or the ductwork with air, the elastic material clings to the inside wall of the inner tube and seals the leak. AeroSeal does the same thing for your ductwork at your home. It's expensive. And I will tell you, if you'll Google AeroSeal, you'll find in the reviews, go back and look at the reviews five, six, seven, eight years ago, there were many, many failed AeroSeal installations. And so we were very slow to adopt it as something we could recommend. And we only recommend it under a very narrow set of parameters. It is not a cure-all. Aeroseal will not solve world hunger. Aeroseal will not cure cancer. Aeroseal can seal some leaks in ductwork that can't be reached any other way. In other words, if your ductwork is up in your attic and you can get to it, uncover it, move the insulation back, wrap everything, seal it up good, and then move the insulation back in place, you can do that for much less money and it does exactly the same thing. But if you're in a flat roof home and all the ductwork is buried in a soffit that you can't get at unless you rip sheetrock down, then Aeroseal has an application there. And I would never, ever install Aeroseal without a duct blower test before. And then you ought to ask the installer, okay, I can see by this report we've got a 28% duct leakage. Now, you tell me, when the aeroseal application is done, what will it go down to? And it ought to go down to well under 10%. It ought to approach 5%. And the blower door test, the, the duct test, is the only way you can verify that the thousands of dollars you sent for the aeroseal is doing any good at all. So... Get the whole house energy audit done. A part of that's the duct blower test. Determine if you have leakage worthy of spending several thousand dollars. And if you do, and you can't reach the ducts any other way, ask the installer, what can I expect this duct leakage to go down to? Do another test after the air seal and see how close you are. And push to get as close as they said they would get. So there was lots of failed systems early on 
and Aeroseal, the manufacturer, uh, became a little bit more diligent on their training and a little pickier on who they were using to uh, install the product, and it's become much more reliable. But those are the very narrow parameters that I would recommend it. Again, it's not a cure-all, and there are other things you can do for less money most of the time. All right, with that said, the phone lines are lining up, and the number is one 767 4348. Let's see if we can go to Diane. First thing this morning, calling from Tucson. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. I bought a new house in June of last year. I'm not going to say the name of the person who made it. Okay. In respect for their privacy. Okay. But the backyard was not graded correctly. And you know it's been raining like cats and dogs for months now. Amen. And and there's been like a lake back there, and I did not buy lakefront property. I was thinking about putting a rubber ducky back there, yeah. a little fish, <laughs> and they've just haven't taken care of the problem. I talked to the the person who's supposed to resolve this, and he says, "Oh, I thought that got taken care of two weeks ago." So I think there's the they're like making up stories. Okay. Well, and um, if they never take care of this, what are my remedies? Okay. Is this a subdivision that a particular a builder built out? Yes. It's not just one custom home sitting all by itself? No, it's okay. a subdivision. Okay. When they plot those subdivisions, Diane, they have to prove to the city that they're not going to let what now used to be raw desert, we're going to put a roof, we're going to put sidewalks, we're going to put street, we're going to put pool deck and patios. We've got to be able to contain the water that falls out of the sky within that subdivision. So every lot needs to have the capacity to store the water that falls on that lot. Now, if you're getting surface drainage, from other lots, that's a problem. I would no. It seems to be my lot only. Okay, there gutters can do a lot for that. Uh, you can divert the water into water capture storage systems. You can direct it into dry wells. You can direct it into seepage pits. But one of the things I would do is I would put my complaint and my concern in writing, date it, and deliver it certified mail. And at the point they get something in writing, generally it kind of snaps them to attention. And at the point you're not happy, you've always got the registrar of contractors to reach out to. And I would not hesitate to do that. Okay. Yeah, I just was worried that the lake might end up in my house because <laughs> it raining for hours. Right, right. And that, that would be a real concern for me. Um, but they're not going to be able to grade your lot in a way that just puts the water out onto the street to drain down or into your 
neighbor's yard, which may happen to be a little lower than yours. We've, we will have to contain the water on site. That's something that most cities incorporated into their zoning requirements 30 years ago. But there is a solution. You didn't buy a lake, and they ought to be able to work with you. Keep me posted, Diane. When we get back, we've got Al and Greg and an open line for you at one 767 Well, if you're not an early bird and you missed our 7 o'clock interview with John Pratt, you may not know the deals that are going on on Sanderson Ford. If car buying's on your to-do, today's a great day. Sanderson Ford is open now, and they've got incredible deals. We're Ford fans because if you look around Arizona on the roads, most of the vehicles you see are Ford. Arizona is Ford country, and we love Sanderson Ford because of how they treat their customers, how they treat our listeners, and how they've treated the entire Romero family, all the way up from grandma down to the grandbabies. If you're looking for a Ford vehicle, it's Sanderson Ford. And you don't even have to leave the house. You can shop online, and you don't even have to go over there to pick it up. They can deliver it to your home. Or if you're looking for something custom, or you're trying to get an order for maybe a Ranger or a Bronco or something that's coming out soon, SandersonFord.com to shop to your heart's desire to find the perfect Ford vehicle for you. 51st Avenue in Maryland in Glendale. Very nice, Gary. Very nice. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. Gary, you had a particular caller in mind you specifically wanted to go to. Which one of the lines interests you? Uh, Greg. Greg okay. has an, uh, a question we've had asked before, but it's a good refresher. Okay. Let's let's go to Greg. <coughs> Hi, Rosie. Good morning, Greg. Morning. Hope the hope your voice is getting better. It uh, it's it's better than it sounds. I'm I'm gonna go see a voice specialist Tuesday, I think. Good. All the best to you with that. My question is regarding, I'm switching over from an existing traditional hot water heater. It's actually a 2001 Ream Everclean. It says professional on it, and it's a 50-gallon. And um, it's just kind of gotten past its life expectancy, I bet. And um, it's, you know, where it's taking a little bit longer to get hot water. And before there's a catastrophic fail on it, I think it's probably time to go to something else. And I want to consider a tankless and see what your thoughts were. What should I consider? Maybe what brands? I've looked into a couple, Echostar and Steibel Eltron, which I think is a German brand, and wanted to know what you thought. Would it be as effective since it's electric rather than gas? And just kind of get your thoughts on that. When the tankless heaters came out, uh, we would say the only way to go is gas. But that was 15 years ago, and the electric have come a long way. What most people don't realize when they convert to a tankless heater is you really need a water treatment system on your house. Most of those tankless heaters will not warranty their product unless you're conditioning, softening the water prior to it being introduced to the heater. 
So you've got the cost of getting rid of the tank heater and buying the tankless. You've got the cost of getting electric to that area. And then you've got the cost, if you don't already have it, of a full water treatment, water softening system. At that point, Greg, you're talking the same investment level as you would just to go to solar water heat and put a circulating pump on it and get basically free hot water to all your faucets instantaneously whenever you want it. That's the option I would tell you to research. Um, the tankless is a good system, but it generally ends up being much more expensive than people realize. They're thinking, okay, I'm going to get rid of this 40 or 60 or 80 gallon conventional tank heater, get it replaced. It's going to cost me 1500 2000 bucks, and then I'll have instant hot water at all points of consumption. But then when you throw another three to $5,000 on top of that for the ancillary electric work or natural gas work, if you're going with a gas heater and the whole house water treatment system, you know, now you're well north of 5,000 bucks. And at that point, I don't see any reason not to go solar. No, those are points I didn't think about, so I appreciate that. And uh, and again, of course, if I want, I could still just go to a traditional hot water heater that I like the one I had, and do that. You can get that done for under fifteen hundred. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. Brody, yeah. there's you all your again. choices. Yes, you've given me some options and some things to consider, so I do appreciate all of that. All right, Greg. Well, we appreciate the call. Thanks a bunch. Do we have time to squeeze in Al from Scottsdale? Actually, we're going to need to go to a break in about a minute, so let's give Al some time later on. Okay, Al, uh, hang on. Al, hang on. We appreciate it. You're listening to Rosie on the House. Uh, we've got David Byrne from Green ID coming in for the next segment, and he's going to talk about aging your house by looking at the ductwork. And we can tell you when your home was built just basically by what the ductwork material is made out of and the layout of the system and what you need to know as a homeowner as it relates to caring for and maintaining the duct system at your home. Segment three of our open line hour, which brings us to our weekly how-to. It's something that we've implemented to help keep up with our daily, weekly maintenance that our homes require. And if we can just tackle a task a week, we can stay on top of the maintenance of our home instead of getting buried under these huge lists. And this one relates to energy efficiency because now's the time to do something about our energy consumption ahead of the heat and our high summer bills that are coming and Y'all are going to be flooded, not necessarily on Rosie on the house, but everywhere you look, somebody's going to have something new. They're going to try and sell you. They're going to try and convince you is going to be your end all answer to the key to your electric bill. Like it, it's some Pandora's box that's been opened. But we've got Dave Burns from Green ID to join us to kind of just settle everyone down. We had given a an equation last week, Dave, that 
what can you expect on your high summer bill? If you're looking at a thousand square foot home, what should your high summer bill be? It should be around $100 per thousand square feet. So if you have a 2,000 square foot home, your high bill, if it's around the $200 mark, you're in pretty good shape. And that's what we're shooting for. We could lower that bill, but to what expense? And mm-hmm. what's the return that's going to pay out? What if we drop his bill to 170? How much is that going to cost? His payout return on an investment is going to probably outlive his life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you can only squeeze so much water out of that rock. And so if if you're a lot higher than that $100 per thousand square foot mark, there's good opportunity for savings, a lot of low-hanging fruit. If you're close to that mark, it's going to be tougher to squeeze uh, some savings out. Unless we just turn off the electric switch. And how long are you going to live like that? <laughs> yeah, if you're the only house on the block that's all dark at night, then uh, you're probably saving some good money, but at what expense? So if you're over that threshold... Uh, The biggest consumer of electricity during the summer months, for the obvious reasons, is our Mm -hmm. air conditioning system. And you've put together an observation on the ductwork designs over the decades leading back to the 60s. So what we're going to do here is just go through what the homeowners in each of those decades can expect. So at the point, you know, they see uh, that their energy consumption is way out of whack, what's likely the cause Mm -hmm. if it's related to their ductwork. Sure. Yeah. We'll dive uh, back to the 60s here. Yeah. Let's start in the 60s where uh, no central air conditioning was uh, was going on. We had swamp coolers in uh, our ranch style homes, uh, trunk metal ductwork with a, a sunken ceiling in the hallway. And uh, on these homes, we find that the swamp cooler duct just may still be hooked up in the attic. The swamp cooler may be long gone, but that ductwork uh, may still be hooked up and causing a lot of leakage in in the system every time the heat or air comes on. And the duct sizing for evaporative mm-hmm. coolers is a whole lot different than oh, yeah. uh, an air conditioning system. Yeah, uh, a swamp cooler is going to put out a whole lot more air, uh, and so they size the ductwork appropriately, and then when they converted to your central air conditioning, uh, that kind of got out of whack. So if you have hot rooms in an older home, with the swamp cooler, that that could be from the duct sizing. And is that a hard repair? Is that just access to the attic to install proper duct? Usually it's on the return side where it's most uh, messed up. And so if we could fix the return uh, where you change your filter, that's going to be the key. Because um, when we measure airflow, the supply side is typically good. Uh, the return side, our return static pressure is going to be pretty much the top five culprit. Um, on older homes, so. which is not an intrusive repair. No, no, it's not. It's not that bad to upsize the duct or add another return into the house. So as we move into the seventies and we're getting mm-hmm. away from uh, evap cooler being the mainstream. Yes, we went to some uh, flex duct and gray ductwork was installed, which has since been outlawed. So if you take a peek in your attic and you see gray ductwork. Um, it's probably falling apart, and uh, there's a reason why it's outlawed. Um, these uh, these homes also had some health and safety issues. I, I put in this list, like uh, if you have a gas water heater in the same room as your dryer, that's uh, a safety hazard in terms of carbon monoxide coming in the house. You want to make sure you have a, a good carbon monoxide detector in those rooms and a couple other places around the house. Um, and then also... Uh, 
just open wall chases along the hallway in the uh, in the house where your ceiling sinks down. Um, those wall chases are typically open to the attic, is what we find in homes built in the 70s or 80s. Uh, if we go to the, uh, if your home was built between 1980 and 1990, uh, they did start using uh, piggyback swamp coolers. Um, that could cause a lot of duct leakage and also undersized ductwork. So what we were talking about with the returns being too small, the unit is going to be starved for air. It's trying to like uh, breathe through one straw. It's just going to suck uh, a whole lot of air through a small hole and it's not going to make the unit work right. It's going to be really loud. Um, and it's uh, going to deteriorate the the lifespan of it. Yes. Yeah. You'll get quicker component failure with an undersized return. Um, and then uh, if we get more recent, so homes built in the 90s and 2000, I have a home built in 95, and um, fiberglass bat insulation was used a lot then. And uh, bats are notorious for being installed wrong. If you think of the fiberglass bat like a blanket, the blanket's got to touch your skin to keep you warm at night, and the bat has to be installed properly, which means it's got to touch the attic floor uh, 100% to get um, uh, the proper R value to work right. If that bat is a couple inches off the attic floor, like it's sitting on top of a can light or on top of an electrical wire, uh, it's like having a blanket a couple inches off your skin. It's not going to do anything. And that's... Uh, that's a great analogy. And when you think of all mm-hmm. the different penetrations that are in our ceilings up into the attic, you, know, you count calculate three, four, six, eight, twelve of those, your energy percentage loss starts to increase pretty rapidly. Yes, yeah. And, and that's a, a nice night and day difference if we can fix that um, with homes with fiberglass bats. Um, and then the continuation of, of bad uh, flex duct would be um, undersized ductwork was still a problem in the 90s. Um, they started using a lot of Y splits in the attic. So Uh, let's say you have a room that's the furthest away from the unit and they may have a Y splitter four times before the duct ever goes to that room, which adds uh, an extra 60 feet of duct length to that system. So the unit has has to work that much harder to uh, push air to that room. And it's just a bad design. In uh, homes built uh, post-2000, 2000, 2010, it's those Y splitters uh, that we see and just undersized returns uh, are probably our number one, number two culprit, along with bad duct design, duct leakage uh, would get up there also. And a lot of that, it's the contractor and the installer's responsibility for it. But the technology was changing so fast that mm-hmm. the best practices weren't always keeping up with real time when these installs were being put into the home, it would, the, the the technology and the industry weren't moving at the same pace. Yes, yeah, that's right. And and the trades weren't talking with each other either. You had your your framers doing their job, and once they they finished, then you had your AC installers, electricians. None of them were talking with each other, saying, "Hey, these bats." Some did... still don't. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting better though. It's getting better. And but so, yeah, just understanding how the insulation integrity works and not messing that up or or displacing it to run their wires or exactly yeah it's like hey guys uh, we're gonna run a, a duct down to the first floor on a two story home 
we need this duck chase sealed off from the attic. Uh, and just talking to the, uh, the trades can go a long way, and, and that wasn't done uh, until recently. Uh, new homes are, are in better shape. The energy code has gotten stricter. We'd still find some defects, uh, but I wouldn't call them major defects like we had uh, in the 90s or before. Um, some things we find in new homes are baffle, baffles weren't used uh, when they did the insulation. So uh, you have some wind washing where the insulation or where the uh, vents in the attic will blow the insulation back um, a foot or two off the perimeter of the house. And then uh, under insulation is actually more common, I'd say, because insulation contractors don't want to insulate to, they consider the drywall part of the R value. And so if your code is R30, uh, they'll blow up to R26 and then say the drywall is another uh, R4 and, and they short the homeowner from day one. Mm, that's, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. So that is your home, weekly home maintenance to do. It's to schedule a home energy audit. And there's a preview of, depending on the age of your current home, what you may be able to expect to see in your ductwork, which is generally speaking the biggest energy hog in our home. And with an energy audit, the benefit, you know, you may not be able to do something about it today. You may not be able to do something about it next week. It may take you a year or two to save up if you want to do this cash out of pocket to have these improvements done. But you get a roadmap to what the biggest energy hogs in your home are so you know which ones to strategically attack first. And if you really do this right, after that first install is done and you see the difference in your energy consumption, you take that savings and you use that and put it aside for these other improvements. And that's a way that you can start using your energy saving to pay for the all these little improvements we can do on our home. Because, I mean, they really are endless if we really want to get nitpicky. The return may not always be there in a, in a short-term manner, but there's nothing wrong with using our energy savings to invest in long-term payoffs to, you know, cut it down another half a percent, two percent, ten percent. You just do 20 things that save you a half a percent. Well, there's 10% right there. <laughs> sure. And that's what we do in the audit is give them that roadmap on what's the biggest bang for the buck, what uh, a homeowner can do for themselves, uh, manage their time of use or uh, switch off that recirculation pump, what we could do uh, and take advantage of the APS and SRP rebate program. And what is that program? So they sponsor uh, rebates for making a home energy efficient, uh, APS and SRP give rebates on insulation, duct sealing a house, shade screens, a uh, high efficiency AC unit, and it's all after this audit is done to identify what's the big spang for your buck. The uh, audit normally costs $99, and uh, for today's segment, uh, we will give Rosie on the House callers a $50 Visa card if they call our office and let them know that they heard us on air. Excellent. And somebody would schedule a home energy audit with Green ID at? Uh, they could call our office at 602-926-1650 or visit our website at yourgreenid.com. You can also type in Green ID to the keyword at Rosie on the House and get David's partner page. It's got his number and all that contact information there as well. So any of those ways you get to him, schedule that home energy audit. And let's take the next step to getting our homes energy efficient. 
If you're looking for an efficient way to keep critters out of your landscape, Bonide has the answer for us with their Repels All. Anything that burrows, whether it's a skunk or a squirrel or a chipmunk or a raccoon, whatever part of the state you live in, Repels All will work for those burrowing animals. All natural ingredients in Repels All you smell, but be a good neighbor. Get enough Repels All for your neighbor so you don't just stick them in their yard and create a problem for them to deal with. Repels All's natural formula can be applied to trees, shrubs, perennials, even edible crops. It works to prevent animals from chewing on fences and structures. It's so effective, your satisfaction is guaranteed from Bonite. It's also available in a concentrate, ready-to-use or ready-to-spray formula, easy granular for a three-pound shaker or six-pound bag for whatever you're trying to repel them away from. Bonide will have you covered. You can find Bonide all over the state at Treeland Nurseries in Mesa, Mesquite Valley Growers in Tucson, or Summer Winds in Phoenix. Find a local retailer at Bonide.com. A little toe-tapping music here at Rosie on the House. Let's go straight to the phone lines and bring Al into the conversation. Good morning, Al. Morning, Rosie. Uh, I'm so glad to hear you back on the air. I do not have a technical question, but I've been a long-time listener for, I don't know, what is it, 20, 30 years? Yeah. And uh, we missed you when you were gone, and it's so good to hear you back. And this is just a a voice of encouragement to uh, hang in there, man, and uh, we'll keep praying for you. Well, Al, I sure appreciate it. We've got a few more surgeries to go, and but it, uh, everything's going in the right direction. So we're greatly encouraged, and my wife of 41 years and my nurse of seven months is taking good care of me. I don't know. I may need all y'all's help because uh, I can't keep him down. He's doing things he shouldn't. So I'm going to tell on you on air if you don't mind me. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, well, I had to check that roof. Yeah. Oh, it's my gosh. my job. Even the guys fussed at you, It's Rosie my Romero. job. They can take pictures. We have drones. Okay, let's go to line one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to line one. I believe that's Roger. Thank you, Al, for the kind words. Good morning. Hey, Roger. What are you up to, you Roger do? House? Uh, well, we're thinking of changing out the air conditioner. I'm wondering about steel range, the cost-effectiveness. Uh, 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 we're, we're at, just to give you a quick rundown. We're we're around two thousand feet okay. or two thousand square foot, and uh, it's a block house. Okay. Built in the fifties, the air conditioner was replaced about fifteen years ago. Right now, at the highest time of the month, we're getting five to six hundred dollar electric bills. All right, that's the middle of the summer. How many people live in the house? Um, <laughs> it varies from. Four to six to seven. And do you have a do you have a swimming pool? A what? Swimming pool. Yes, sir. And what temperature do these six or seven people like to keep the house at in the middle of the summer afternoon? Seventy-eight. Okay. Okay. Well, we can beat the heck out of that utility bill, and. Your question started with what's a what's a SEER rating? A, a SEER rating is like your miles per gallon rating on your car. It's 
How much cooling does your air conditioning system have for every piece of electricity that we put into it? And it, you know, today's standards are 13, 14, 15. And some people will take the bait and pay for an 18, 19, 20, or higher zero rating. And what drives me nuts about that is that a masonry home with ductwork installed in the 50s, the sear rating of your ductwork is about a one. Yeah. So it doesn't do any good to bolt a 15 sear unit to a one sear air conditioning duct system or bad design. The sear ratings are accomplished inside a laboratory where the temperature is held at like 85 degrees. It has nothing to do with our temperatures of 115, 118, and 120 degrees. But Roger, what I want to do, you shouldn't be paying more than about 10 cents per kilowatt, and you shouldn't be burning up more than about 2,600 kilos per month. Your bill should be well under 400, much closer to 300 at the absolute worst. So have you had a whole house energy audit done? No, I'm, I'm going to, I've just put them in the bookmark okay. and I'm going to call them. Um, what I'm wondering is I know the ductwork has to be redone. Yeah. Okay. But, what I'm wondering was the air conditioner is good. It was it was top of the line 15 years ago. Okay. The ductwork might be just enough, right, without the change in the air conditioner. Well, it might be enough. Uh, we got to make sure you're on the right energy plan. Are you an APS or SRP customer? Uh, SRP, and we got the we we've got we're grandfathered in. We're we've okay. our only. Uh, our only high time is two to two to five. Okay. Monday through Friday. Okay. And do we you try to use nothing then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. Well, Roger, I'm gonna follow up with you this week, uh, and and we're gonna get those five hundred plus bills to well under four hundred dollars, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a call this week. Like the gentleman said, you know, he said we should be at a hundred per thousand square feet. I about freaked out, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that was pretty much the old standard. We're pretty much a a buck and a quarter, a buck thirty. Uh, but in the in the middle of the summer, your bills on. The, I have I have uh, thirty seven hundred square feet. That I keep it sixty-eight degrees, and my all summer long, and my bill is never over four hundred dollars. Oh my goodness! So I'm gonna teach you. <laughs> I'm gonna teach you some of the tricks, okay? Okay, that sounds good, sir. And I, I'm and glad I, to see you still up and kicking. I, um, and as I told you, I think it was last week or the week before. We know that the uh, the Louisiana people are tough. We can't keep them down. That's right. That's right. And, Roger, I'm going to come out. We'll visit. Every trick I show you, we're going to start with all the free tricks first. 
so you'll get your maximum return on investment. Thanks for calling. When we get back, we've got sustainability and accessibility expert John Wesley Miller joining us next hour. <laughs> 